in to episode four of the Crave Nutrition RD podcast. Today's guest, Casey Seiden, is a registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator, and author of the cookbook, Meal Prep for Two. Today, Casey shares with us how her own experiences in cooking and exploring new foods uh, with her husband, Danny, has prompted her to start an Instagram account talking about meal prep. And what's interesting is meal prep is not necessarily what you think it is. Instead of that usual picture of food containers laid out covering a tabletop, Casey really walks us through some of the differences in meal prep. What's recipe prep versus batch prep? How you can use meal prep to not just cook your meals, but to solve a problem and using meal prep strategically to help you build habits that work for you. Stay tuned for when we talk about a couple recipes in Casey's cookbook and leave you with some ideas for maybe a new to you food and how you can incorporate it into your meals and snacks. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Crave Nutrition RD podcast. For those of you who don't know, I'm Lindsay McCoy, your host, registered dietitian and owner of the private practice Crave Nutrition RD located in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Today's guest I am thrilled to have on. I think she's a really like cool individual. It's just multifaceted. She's got a lot of things going on and it always very much impresses me. So today's guest is a registered dietitian, also a certified diabetes educator, and she works in diabetes and women's health as a part of a maternal fetal medicine clinic in New York City. Bonus fact, she's bilingual. And she is also the author of a cookbook that I really enjoy. It's called Meal Prep for Two, Eight Weekly Plans and 75 Recipes to Get Healthier Together. So today, let's welcome Casey Seaton. Hey, Lindsay. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be on the Crave Nutrition Podcast with you. I'm so happy that you are on and that you agreed to do this because I just am, I really look forward to learning more about all the work that you do. It's just, I think you do so many cool things, not only with your full-time job, but also online in terms of like broadcast communications in a sense, in a sense. Yeah, I do feel like I wear a lot of different hats and they're sometimes hard to define for sure. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even mention that too. You also are on Instagram at eat.well.together. And that's how we first met. We connected on Instagram a couple years ago. Yep, exactly. That's where I hang out the most pretty much. Um, it's been great to meet so many dietitians and other colleagues through social media. It is. And hopefully meet in real life at one point. I gotta Definitely. say, I've never been to New York City and it kind of, the idea of it overwhelms me. <laughs> It can be overwhelming as a first-time visitor. So, you know, coming for a short period of time, and I would definitely recommend like certain times of the year are better than others. But come on out. <laughs> well, when's the best time? Now I have to know. I would say spring or fall. Okay. Because it's not super cold, and you are going to walk around and do a lot of the touristy things, and it's not super hot because um, it's miserable in the heat. Um, so yeah, spring or fall, everything is beautiful and lots of things are open. There's lots of activity going on. Okay. Um, I also feel like I could probably get a pretty good food tour with you as my guide around New York oh, City. That's a given. Basically an agenda when people come to visit me is food related. So yes. I love it. Well, I want to know more. So you're obviously as a dietitian, you know, food is something that we both love. Um, 
But specifically, I want to talk to you more today about your book, Meal Prep for Two, and sort of like how you communicate food and nutrition online. So let's get started. I actually I want to ask a question about what prompted you to start your Instagram account? That's a really good question. It's been a winding journey. I would say it kind of started a few years ago when I was in grad school. Um, I had started a blog where I was just posting recipes um, and wanted to get traction kind of to that blog or just let people know like, hey, I'm making food. You should go check out the actual recipes. So I kind of started an Instagram separate from a personal one. That was maybe... It was like three years ago, probably, um, which was just like totally random. There wasn't really an objective to it. I was just sharing my daily eats and some of the recipes I would post on occasion. But then it was in 2018, I guess, the summer of 2018 that I decided, you know what, I could probably turn this into something that I could monetize. And, you know, as a dietitian, I think many of us work multiple jobs or have are always looking for multiple streams of income. Um, so I decided that summer to actually take a course hosted by two dietitians who just helped you to kind of really define what your niche was in nutrition, what audience you wanted to speak to, and how to communicate that via social media, via Instagram specifically. Um, and that course was really instrumental in helping me kind of identify like, yeah, what's important to me, apart from my kind of nine to five job, what I was doing in diabetes care, I felt like I was, I had so much more to say in terms of nutrition and health. Um, and a lot of that really came from my personal experience um, with my husband, who was a very picky eater, like so picky. He grew up on the New York diet of like bagels, pizzas, and hot dogs. Okay. And, you know, hardly touched a vegetable. So it's not that it was a challenge. I loved going out to eat to all the restaurants and whatnot. But when we started living together and then got engaged, you know, and the relationship progressed, I was cooking at home and I was like, why don't you want to eat these delicious meals that I'm cooking with vegetables? Um, so it was really a learning process of, you know, his journey almost and our journey together to explore new foods, um, all the different scenarios that helped him kind of grow as a more exploratory eater, intuitive eater even. So I just really felt like that was common. I would talk to my friends all the time who were dating or in relationships and they were like, um, yes, we struggle with the same thing. How all of a sudden did Danny start to have a kale salad for dinner and request a kale salad for dinner? Um, so that's kind of where my Instagram niche was built through and it clearly resonated with a lot of people. And kind of once I started implementing some of the strategies through that course, it, it really took off um, and started a great community. So I think that's so cool that I do recognize as dietitians, a lot of us kind of wear a lot of different hats. And so in your Monday through Friday, sort of nine to five, you're very focused in clinical diabetes care as a certified diabetes educator. And then still recognizing that from your own life, especially with your husband, Danny, that just how you're cooking for yourself, how you guys are exploring foods and incorporating them in your life is something you can share. I think it's like selfless that you put the time and effort in to learn how to communicate that through a social media platform. Because I think of how many people you've been able to impact by sharing what you share. I think that's just 
the coolest, most, I don't even know what to say. I just think it's the coolest (laughs) thing. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I think my experience getting into nutrition, you know, I didn't want to become a dietitian because I had some personal journey or food related struggle, um, which I think a lot of dietitians, you know, maybe they struggled with an eating disorder or they had some gastrointestinal issue that caused them a lot of dietary stress. And so they wanted to become a dietitian for those reasons. I just loved food. (laughs) I like had thought about going to culinary school at one point. And so, you know, I, I got into the clinical work after my internships and whatnot, but then, yeah, my passion for nutrition was really driven by food and people's behaviors around food and got inspired by some part of my struggle, but also, yeah, my, the kind of struggles, I guess we'll say with food and the relationship with my husband. So, yeah. So tell us more about that on Instagram. I know you talk about, you know, you share really um, like actionable strategies people can use about how to sort of rework a plate. Um, you talk about how you can almost like set yourself up for success with meals. And I think that all rolls into that idea of quote unquote meal prep, that there's a lot of different like approaches to meal prep or a lot of different ways to look at meal prep. So what does meal prep mean to you? That's a good question. Um, I think it is different for a lot of people. So, you know, meal prep to me is not meaning a meal plan. It does not mean that you're following some rigid, laid out, meal by meal, day by day schedule of what you quote unquote should be eating. Uh, Meal prep to me is really having, you know, some semblance of an idea of, okay, what foods do I like? What do I have on hand? what do I need to get for the week? And, you know, running through kind of a loose structure of maybe what different meals and snacks could look like throughout the week, but also being accommodating for when plans shift or you do a dinner out or something and not feeling stressed that you got kind of quote unquote off track of your meal plan. You know, practice really just having those raw ingredients, knowing the flavors that you like, making it easy for your schedule and yeah, ultimately making it work for, for you. That's a lot of components that go into meal prep. I think a lot of us think of it as, I don't know, I know I've seen those, um, like a full week of meals laid out on a table, like composed, ready to go, the fridge is stocked. Like it's very elaborate and you can see there's a lot of work in that one photo. Um, but there's that idea that that kind of approach to meal prep could be rigid and like a like a firm I'm like shaking my hands like you must do this it does it kind of feels like it like locks you into this calendar and it it really doesn't have to be that way I like how you put it that it's not a that first and foremost you talk about what foods do you like um looking ahead to what's your schedule this week also what foods do you have on hand so those are a lot of components that are going into these food decisions. So you started by talking about like, what flavors do you like? What do you have on hand? What does your schedule look like? You know, I kind of shared that I think about meal prep as some very composed picture to be shared. What else do you think? Are there any other perceptions about meal prep that you think people have? That's a really great question. Um, Going off of that 
yeah, photo, that typical flat lay photo that you see on social media, it can seem like that must take a lot of time to make. Um, I think that's a really big misconception is that all meal prep and meal planning has to take a lot of time, but it really doesn't. A lot of those meals maybe that you see were cooked in a slow cooker or in an Instapot or something. So it's something that you could get three or four meals out of, but you dumped all the ingredients in a pot, which took 20 minutes and it cooked for four hours while you went and did other things. Um, you know, using things like roasting in the oven, those, you know, just set it, in for, set it and forget it kinds of preps can break down that barrier that you have to be actively spending all this time in the kitchen. It doesn't have to be um, active time that you're consumed with prepping all this food. Um, and that's being smart and strategizing, like, yep, picking those types of recipes. If you're going to pick a ton of recipes that have a lot of chopping and you have to stand over the stove boiling this pot of quinoa and this pot of whatever, that's more active time. So if you're, you know, in a time crunch, and are really busy, I wouldn't say that those are the kind of preps I would recommend for you. I would lean on your slow cooker. I would lean on um, your you know, food processors and ovens, things like that to keep things quick. I think that's one of the really big misconceptions is that it takes too much time. Um, the other misconception I think is that people just assume that meal prep plans or just meal prep in general is boring. And I think that that goes back to kind of what I mentioned about lean on the foods that you like um, and flavor. That was one of the biggest lessons I think my husband and I learned when we started cooking together or me meal prepping lunches for myself was that like it has to taste really flavorful and really good. Um, so don't be, a, you know, keep your spice cabinet stocked. Use lots of your herbs and spices and sauces. Um, that can really help a meal prep go a long way. Um, and I think also like the repetitiveness of meal prep, people think like, but don't you just get bored of eating the same thing like day after day, which can be true. So I think if you're going to dedicate to doing meal prep, you have to kind of identify what your, what I like to call like your meal prep limit is like for me, I can only eat things three days in a row. So I know I'm not going to prep any more than that. So that kind of puts a limit on like, yes, how much food I have prepped in advance, but that also means I'm not going to get bored and risk tossing out a dish come Thursday night because I'm sick of it by that point. So I think that's important. It's kind of knowing how far in advance a meal would still sound good to you. I think that's shedding a lot of light on what can be misconceptions in terms of preparing for our meals, you know, quote unquote meal prep. Maybe people are thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be spending all Sunday in the kitchen. Um, I'm going to be really bored with these bland recipes and I'm not going to want to eat it beyond day three. I've never heard the term meal prep limit before, but I think that's a really, really good term because I would hit that three day mark too. I cap out. And some people like just hate leftovers in general. So, you know, meal prep for those people is really hard. You know, my husband has like a two day limit, so we can't have the same thing for dinner more than two days in a row. Um, but I could eat that for two nights for dinner and then pack that last serving up and take it for lunch for myself the next day, you know? So 
if it is a two person household, you can kind of get creative of like, who's going to take which portion, what day kind of a thing. I think that only goes like that grows as the family size grow too because my husband and I play this game of Tetris of like what do we have in the fridge what do we have to use up who's got what going on tomorrow like if I have an event at six o'clock at night that I have to go to I'm usually eating like some leftovers thrown into a wrap versus he's maybe heating up some leftovers out of the freezer that he can uh, heat up at home it's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a game <laughs> It is a little bit like Tetris. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm a person that hates food waste. Like I will be that like, you know, kitchen sink garbage disposal and just like eat every, all the scraps that are left over. Like that's my duty. You've talked about some really good strategies of like thinking through your limit. How can you you know, plug these meals into certain times of the day for certain people? How can you choose recipes that are going to work with your time to help like reduce that prep time what do you think are different I guess styles of meal prep that people could consider yeah that's another good question um because in my book so for meal prep for two the style I would say was kind of this like recipe prep so it was identifying recipes prepping them in full and you know, you could go as far as to even portion them out into individual containers and it's literally just grab and go, but it's a set recipe. You really don't have to think about it. Um, So that would be something like, all right, you would sit down on a Saturday, pick out all the recipes you want on Sunday, go get the ingredients, prep it all. It's done for however many days you want to prep. Um, That would be one way if you don't feel super confident in the kitchen, I would say that's a good way to go because it's a tried and true recipe. Someone has made it and likely tons of people have given feedback, like this is gonna be really good. Um, If you feel a little bit more chef-y in the kitchen, I would say, you know, you could do what's called kind of batch prep. So like batch component prep, which to me means kind of cooking up different components like one or two protein options, one or two grain or starch options, and then a few different fruits and vegetables um, and kind of making up your meals as you go. So you'd have all those individual components maybe in a you know Tupperware or something. And then when dinner time rolls around, you just kind of pick one from each category. Maybe you put a tasty sauce on it and that's the meal. It's all prepped in advance, but it's not kind of stylized and recipe-ized uh, for you. You're putting it together. What a fun word, recipe-ized. Recipe-ized, I don't know, I just made that up. <laughs> Sounds legit, it's 100% legit. I mean, it's, it's now spoken word. I'm a cookbook word. author, so it's legit. <laughs> it's legit. Um, those are really good distinctions. So recipe prep is kind of, as you said, the tried and true, it's here's this posted recipe, you can follow it, all the steps from beginning to end and have this dish ready to go. Um, versus batch prep is thinking about the components of a meal, getting all those individual pieces ready to go so that when mealtime comes, you can like mix and match, build the components into a meal. Which I think helps with the boredom aspect. You know, you don't have to be eating literally the exact same thing every day. You can be eating the same components, but in different combinations and with different, you know, sauces or dressings thrown on at the last minute. 
And you mentioned that's maybe the more chef level or kind of confident in the kitchen. So would you say that's usually reserved for someone who's tried meal prep before? Um, maybe, but not necessarily. I think one of the problems you might run into with batch prep is like maybe not prepping enough or even prepping too much of a certain ingredient, like, and just maybe running out of food by the end of the week. Whereas if you followed a recipe, you know, okay, this serves four servings. I'm going to have enough for me and my partner for two dinners, for example. Um, so I think that might be one obstacle for the batch prep, but get, I, hey, give it a go if, you, if you're up for it. That's so interesting. I don't think that would have occurred to me as the idea of getting the quantities right. So let's take, for instance, like quinoa. I made a quinoa last night and the back of the package, it just says measure out one cup of quinoa and, you know, add it to two cups of water. And like, that's the recipe on the package. But I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't have even thought like if I were to just cook that up, do I know that's going to work with the meals I'm going to make? Is that going to be too much, too little? That was just an interesting point. I haven't thought about that. I, yeah, I used to, not necessarily the population that I work with now, but I used to work with a more lower income population and some of, the, some of those kinds of things like quinoa or different grains were really new and people didn't maybe know how to cook them and they didn't know how far it would stretch, I guess. And so, you know, I think we forget sometimes, or I do as a dietitian that like, yeah, that basic, like knowing how to boil a pot of quinoa and how much would be a serving for you per meal that kind of like kitchen math comes really naturally to us and I think for people who are newer to the kitchen it just doesn't that's a good point that kitchen math is a very this is why I love when people are like when am I ever going to use math like we use math every (laughs) single day and the kitchen math and being experienced with it so I can very much tell you when I was 18. I moved out. I like did not know how to make a grilled cheese. I literally Googled, do you butter both sides of the bread? Um, (laughs) Yeah. So being in the kitchen was very overwhelming to me. And I don't know how many years it took me to work up to purchasing quinoa, like being interested in it, purchasing it and actually feeling mildly confident enough to attempt it in my own home kitchen. Mm -hmm. So when you think about someone who's new to the kitchen, and maybe new to preparing meals, what do you think are any like tips or tricks or starting points? What recommendations do you talk about with people brand new to the kitchen? Brand new to the kitchen. Um, I usually would say to kind of ask them to identify what, like we said, kind of what are your favorite foods? Um, You know, if you or have never tried tofu before, I'm not going to say that for your meal prep efforts for the week, like, yes, go and cook up a whole tofu recipe. You'll love it. You know, that you're doing it meal prep. Yay. But they hate it. You know, so kind of, I, we had for a long time on our fridge, like a list of like meals we liked. So it was based off of like proteins that we liked, um, flavors that we liked. And, and you kind of, I think starting from there is, the best way for a beginner to feel confident because then they're going to make something that's probably tasty. If something tastes good, I think you kind of, your confidence grows in the kitchen where if something keeps coming out tasting bad, 
you just want to give up. You're like, well, this isn't worth it. I'm, I'm not good. I can't make food taste good. So I'm just going to keep ordering out. Um, so I think leaning on, yeah, what you know that you like, what flavors those are and picking recipes, um, to start with that, I think is helpful, um, for a new person in the kitchen in terms of like someone new to meal prepping. So not necessarily like maybe they're kind of like comfortable in the kitchen, but they don't do a ton of prep. Um, you know, I think people again, get overwhelmed with, well, what meal do I need to do? Do I do all of them? Do I do it for how many days? Um, so I'll often walk my patients and clients through identifying what their problem area is. So like if you never get breakfast eaten, but by 1030, they notice they're in that meeting and they're like starving and then they munch on all of the meeting sweets and just then go order out lunch because they're fed up already for the day. Well, maybe starting to include a breakfast would help them feel better throughout the day. So let's work on just meal prepping breakfast for like three days of the week. Let's do that for a few weeks and see how it goes. Do you notice that your energy levels are better? Do you notice that you're making better, more confident lunch choices because you're not super hangry by the time noon rolls around? Um, so I think, you know, for meal prepping, no, you do not have to prep every single meal, but identify that one that maybe you struggle with getting in the most or you feel like just needs a change. That's a really good way to look at it. I'm thinking through what are the problems you know, I think a lot of times, I'm sure you get this as a dietitian. people come to us and expect us to be very like prescriptive, like eat breakfast, period, end of story. Like I told you to eat breakfast, that's it. Versus it's really saying, hey, so you've noticed these problems in your life. You're noticing at 1030 yet that you're having that slump in that morning meeting and that you're just like reaching for what you can reach for. Let's implement a strategy to address this problem and that strategy is looking ahead having breakfast ready to go and so it's thinking through or I guess it's um, thinking back and having that strategy of let's implement breakfast yeah I just I want to be like the person to suggest a strategy and then you know to help solve someone's problem and like you said I don't think my job is to be prescriptive because I don't know exactly what's going to work for them um, and I think you talk about it a lot with your clients and, you know, on Instagram and your past podcast is like, you know, there's such a behavioral side to it. And there's an internal intrinsic kind of motivation. People, you know, need to make a change. Maybe it's starting meal prep, for example, if they want to, if they really see that there's going to be a benefit to themselves in doing that behavior. Yeah, I would agree. I think most of us recognize there's like, probably most of us could eat more vegetables. Most of us could drink more water. Like we know that that's not new information. And so looking at meal prep, it's not a magic solution. It's a strategy to achieve those, to help us solve those problems in our life. Like the things that we know how, what we should be doing, meal prep can be a way. I don't want to say meal prep because I think that like quote unquote comes with like those connotations, but preparing meals um, or preparing to have nourishing foods available, preparing for your schedule for the week, that all goes into meal prep. That meal prep in that sense can be a way to solve those problems in our day because we want those problems solved or not because someone told us to. Yeah, exactly. The answer is never sexy. Like, yes, eating more fruits and vegetables, that is ultimately what it comes down to. So if we're struggling with that, like we have to make the healthy choice, the easy choice 
and that's having it available, whether that's the raw ingredients sitting in the fridge or that they're fully prepped and you can just heat it up and go and boom, you get your veggies in. Well, this is a, like an offshoot question, but in your experience in meal prepping, are there any specific like tools that you find very useful in your own kitchen? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, definitely there are certain appliances that I feel like I lean on to get things going faster. Um, in the winter time right now, I'm a big fan of my slow cooker. So I will use that a lot to make soups, chilies, um, shredded chicken meat, things like that. So that's super helpful. Uh, my food processor also, you know, especially when it comes to snacks, I love making those like energy bites where it's kind of like dates or nuts or oats all blended together. So my food processor definitely gets a workout. Um, other than that, I think, and I live in New York City, I have a tiny kitchen and a tiny fridge and a tiny storage space. So, you know, I have to be pretty smart about what tools I do use in my meal prep, but I'm in love with all of my containers. People at work called me like the container lady because <laughs> I just have, you know, different square glass containers, mason jars, um, thermoses, things for snacks and meals. Um, so I think having the right containers in that sense can make meal prep or just food prep and storage in general. Um, more fun and easy. So yeah, I love my containers. <laughs> a few little unexpected ways to streamline the meal prep and yeah. enjoy the experience too. So some of those hands-off appliances that can help you, you know, get the work done in the kitchen, but make it look good. And almost like the delight of it when you go to eat it, it's like packaged cutely. And that by the time you get to your lunch, it's just, ooh. Yeah, exactly. And I have all my little things. And I would agree. I have my favorite. I have my favorite containers, too. It takes a while to, like, find that one that you really like and doesn't maybe, like, leak everywhere. Um, yeah, the joys of meal prep. <laughs> well, I have a few sort of non-meal prep questions for you now. Yeah, so... I'm just curious as a dietitian, I know you that you work not only in, you know, recipe creation and sharing that online, you also have your work full time in maternal and child health. I'm just curious, what topics have you, what's a topic that you've seen trending in the nutrition space over the last, say, month or so? That's a good question. And when you emailed me that I was trying to think like I feel like every day I get some new crazy question out of left field um but I think a lot of the themes that come up with patients um people want to know what are my thoughts on kind of really all these restrictive diets whatever whatever kind of diet it is a lot of it comes down to maybe like intermittent fasting that I think that's a really big one um, it's been buzzy in my office. It's been buzzy with patients, friends, and family, everyone after the new year. Um, I think intermittent fasting still has this allure and kind of ease to it, people think. Um, 
So as a women's health practitioner, it's not necessarily the diet that I would recommend for a lot of my patients, especially if they're pregnant. I definitely wouldn't. Um, but I think people think it just is this, of, of course, like, well, you just don't eat for those hours. It's easy. Um, but I don't think everyone realizes maybe how damaging it could be to their hormones and just their relationship with food. So I, I get that a lot and enjoy digging into kind of the misconceptions of that diet in particular, intermittent fasting. Yeah, I went to a uh, continuing ed seminar, like an evening meeting seminar recently in Denver about intermittent fasting. And it was fascinating learning more about like all the different ways it's implemented. Um, there's both like time-restricted feeding and alternate day fasting. So there's so many different styles of it. And then on top of it, just like our view of it. I don't know if you've seen that meme going around of like millennials. We're so creative. We turn skipping breakfast into intermittent fasting. Yes. I just want to do that like face palm emoji. Yes. <laughs> but it's so true. I think everyone is different. I was just talking with a friend last night and she's actually been doing intermittent fasting and it's had like really great results um, in terms of like blood markers and things that I totally wouldn't have thought this way of eating to help her. But it just goes to show that nutrition can be so individualized. So while it may not be my favorite diet and I wake up starving and have to have breakfast like immediately, um, it can work for some people. So I'm, I'm open to, you know, hearing people's stories about it, um, reading about it, but yeah, it's a hot one right now. It's definitely a hot one. I think I'm going to have to try to see if somebody wants to come on and talk about intermittent fasting for like a whole hour. <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Well, if you were going to just share like a piece of wisdom or advice to everybody listening, what would you want to say? My piece of advice. Uh, I think we've talked about it a lot. We were just talking about it. I think, you know, my philosophy and how I like to approach nutrition with my patients, clients, family, and friends is that, you know, there's so much, there are these trendy diets out there. There's lots of fear mongering. Don't eat this, only eat this. Um, stressed about having to kind of be perfect in our eating. And, you know, my best advice is that like nobody's perfect when it comes to eating. Nutrition is going to look different for every single person. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about building habits that are going to work for you. And like we said, the, you know, cool, sexy answer isn't all that sexy. It really comes down to like finding ways to eat more vegetables, fruits, whole grains, quality proteins. Um, but finding ways that you can do that, that work with your schedule, and that you enjoy, you know, because if you don't enjoy it, then you're, you're not going to stick with it. Um, so that, that's kind of the advice that I like to give. It's not very groundbreaking, um, but <laughs> I think it's something that is worth repeating. I mean, I hear what you're saying, that it's not flashy. It's not attention grabbing, eat our vegetables. I'm basically going to say, like, let's make vegetables sexy again. <laughs> but speaking of memes, have you not seen... I don't even, I don't know who this person is. I'm so not into uh, who celebrities are, these social media icons, but some tweet has been going around that people have been reposting on Instagram of like, well, we just have to make salads taste good and amp up the flavor. And it's this whole series of like tweets, but it's hilarious. And it's so true. You know, a salad of like 
iceberg lettuce, tomato, cucumber. I'm sorry. That is, yeah, just not going to cut it. But flavor your food and guarantee you, you'll open up and start to like some new things. So really making foods and making your habits enjoyable for you, you can still make salads pretty sexy with more, with just more excitement to them. Are you wanting, wanting to make it appealing and fun? Yeah. Like even when was it this past summer, my husband and I were in Alaska and we were at this restaurant and I hadn't had a lot of vegetables in the past few days. So I was really excited when my fish dish like came served with a side salad my heart just sank when the salad came to the table. It was that really like white looking. There's, I like a good wedge salad. I will just put that out there. But it was this really like white looking lettuce with carrot rounds. And that was it. And there was like not even a dressing. And I said, I think restaurants could do better than this. This is the problem with if people think the perception of healthy food is this, we got a problem. Womp womp. Yep. I ate it anyway because I really needed the fiber. But <laughs> sometimes you want that refreshing, like the, you're like, I need that cool, crisp vegetable. Yes. And that's the other thing I think is that, like, to get a little bit off topic, like, people don't, I think, know how good vegetables can, like, actually make their body feel. You know, if you're not used to eating vegetables, then you maybe don't notice, like, oh, yeah, your energy is just kind of so-so, oh, so you don't go to the bathroom all the time, whatever. But once you start to eat that way, like, oh my gosh, the difference can be amazing. And I think people just don't know how good they could potentially feel if they made like tiny little tweaks like that. 100%, 100%. I talk about lunch options, how like when you choose that, you know, colorful, vibrant, nourishing salad for lunch, like you feel like a million bucks all afternoon. Seriously, yeah. Well, on that note, do you have a favorite food or just a current favorite food? Current favorite food for me, I think kind of have been in a very steady stream right now. My favorite, oh no, you know what? My favorite food right now, this is kind of weird, maybe. Um, have you ever had farmer cheese? Yeah. I don't know. There is something about that texture i can like spread it on crackers put it on toast um so i've been doing a lot of farmer cheese sometimes making it sweet and i have this like apricot jam that a friend brought me back from italy i'll put that on it or i'll do it savory um and put some like chili flake spices on it but i have really been into my farmer cheese lately i don't know it's a weird one hmm. i've had it there's one dairy farm in Colorado that I know of that makes it and so you can get it locally mm. um, relatively locally and yeah when I see that in the stores I'm like oh it's a good day I only discovered it um I know I think I discovered it at uh Fancy at the nutrition conference this past year and I was like what is this spread it's like ricotta meets cream cheese meets yeah I, I'm loving it where do you find it in your grocery store where do you purchase it yeah, it's in my grocery store, just right where they have like the cottage cheese and cream cheese. There's only like one or two brands that they have, um, but it's usually usually in stock. I'm probably the only person that buys. It. <laughs> um, like, oh, Casey's coming back. We got to put yep. on a fresh, fresh sock. Yep. And I take it you spread it on toast with these toppings. I do like to do it on toast. This morning, just on my breakfast, I had it on some wasa crackers with my eggs. Um, 
or I've been packing it as a dip with uh, like carrot sticks or different veggie sticks and I'll put like everything but the bagel seasoning on it and like dip my veggies into it. And get versatile. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of really good ideas that we just gave everybody listening of yummy little treats to go try. Of course. We are, we're foodies in fact, so. Yes. And I haven't had a chance to mention it at, during our conversation, but I just have to say, so at this point, I think I've cooked about half the recipes in your cookbook. No way. Yeah. I've been working my way through it. I love them. They're like very approachable. They're not like, sometimes you read a recipe and honestly I get through it and it's like reading a science fiction book. Like, Oh, that sounds fantasy world. That's never going to happen. Um, your recipes are very approachable and very like just delicious. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I love it. And so I made the fall harvest bowl a couple weeks ago. Um, and during dinner, like my husband, I were just talking about, he's like, Oh, where'd you get this recipe from? I was like, Oh, I had to introduce you as my dietitian friend, Casey from Instagram. <laughs> he was like, it's really good. Are you going to make it again? I was like, yeah. And then I ran into my office to get your cookbook and show him. I was just like, she wrote this. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. I love it. Do you have it's- a favorite so far? Um, I've made the, what is it? The salsa verde enchilada bake Mm. a couple times because that one is like, um, a set it and forget it. Like I can prepare all the components and have the casserole dish ready to bake. Um, I love that one. That's a staple for us too. Yeah. I've been enjoying some of the flexitarian meals, especially as I'm, my husband is very much a meat and potatoes kind of guy. And so encouraging both of us to branch out a little bit with a few more plant-based protein options a couple nights a week. That's been fun Mm -hmm. to try each one, like two different ways. Yeah, that was definitely the goal with that chapter. We, we had that situation for a long time and we still do. We're not always in the mood for the same protein every night. So it's nice to like have that option within a singular base of a meal. Yeah, I got to say, I like that when I see that on your Instagram account, you share like side by side examples almost of a lot of the same components of the meal that both you and your husband eat with just a few variations to accommodate for your preferences. It's so um, like realistic and doable when I see that, that it's not like totally separate meals. It's just taking the same components and adding personal flair so everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You don't really even feel like kind of that short order cook um, in that sense, because usually the other option is something really easy, like opening up a can of chickpeas. Boom. Satisfied. Oh, that makes me so happy, though. Thank you. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. I love it. Well, you posted about it and I bought my pre-order copy like immediately, which it's no longer pre-order. It's very much out. You can purchase <laughs> it and have it shipped to you immediately. Um, yes. I was just on the bandwagon. I wanted to buy it early. Oh, thank you. So that said, where can we find your book? Yeah, so the book is available on Amazon. That's the primary online outlet that you can find it. Um, It is also available in some bookstores, so like Barnes & Noble. Um, There's some other book chains that I'm not totally familiar with. BAM maybe is one of them. Um, But I think Barnes & Noble is the biggest distributor and Amazon is the probably fastest way to get up to you. And where else can we connect with you? So like I said, Instagram is kind of where I hang out the most. So you can find me there at eat.well.together. 
Um, you can also find me on my website at uh, caseysidennutrition.com. That's where all my recipes are, and I'll do some nutrition articles from time to time, different blog posts. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I am online. Wonderful. I'll be sure to link all those in the show notes so that everybody can find you online and grab their own copy of your very wonderful cookbook, Meal Prep for Two. I love it so much. I can't recommend it enough. That's awesome. Thank you. Glad well, it's been helpful. Well, thank you so much, Casey, for being here today and talking all things meal preparation. And I know I learned quite a bit today and I'm just very thankful that we had got the chance to have you on. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Lindsay. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in for another episode of the Crave Nutrition RD podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed talking with Casey. If you like what you heard and you want to keep getting these episodes, um, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And while you're there, if you would leave a rating, a review, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, on that note, my inbox is always open. You can find me at Crave Nutrition RD on Instagram or send me an email, cravenutritionrd at gmail.com.